like video games? Do you like music? Do you like video game music? Then join the Washington Metropolitan Gamers Symphony Orchestra on Twitch. Each week, we feature a game the orchestra has performed music from. Our arranger guests will chat about their process, their inspirations, and why game music is so awesome. Check us out every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at twitch.tv slash WMGSO. Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 84 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm excited to be rejoined by Ray Vargas because we are doing a spoiler cast. How you doing, Ray? How's it going? Excited to be here as always. It's good. It's good. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about this movie. I think it's going to be a, a fun show. Yeah, I think so too. Um, well, you haven't been. It hasn't been so long since you were on because you were on for for Wonder Woman. So I think we're gonna just jump right into what we've been geeking out about lately. What what have you been up to? Sounds good. Um, so there's. A, I'm not sure when you're you're publishing this. Um, but myself and my friends are very excited about the Game of Thrones premiere. Nice. Um, yeah, we're we're planning our own little get together. Um, which is tricky because I'm someone who I'm kind of uh, strict about viewing <laughs> procedures. <laughs> um, definitely, I have a reputation with my friends as being someone who, you know, requires silence and, uh, you know, focus on the screen. And, uh, you know, you have to watch it a certain way. There's a right way and a wrong way mm-hmm. to, to consume media. And I think uh, even some of my former students at iPoly probably have heard this rant from me before I'm I'm uh, uh, screening a film or whatever in a in a class. So but that should be fun. We're really excited about that. We've been waiting a while for the for the premiere of, of this latest season. Um and I never expected to be this much into Game of Thrones. I really started watching pretty late, I would say after the end of this last season. Oh I wow finally decided to start watching. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of spoiled because I got to really like mainline all of the seasons like in not too not too much time, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm complaining that I've had to wait literal weeks for this <laughs> next episode when really there are people that have been waiting a long time. So um, what else? Um, oh, speaking of the the topic at hand today, 
Um, I think it's going to be a good time because I, I, I enjoyed the film. Uh, we enjoyed it so much, actually, that it put me in a mood to check out the original Spider-Man uh, film by Sam Raimi. Oh, how did you? How did it hold up? It actually held up pretty well, Joe. I was really excited about that. I I thought it was gonna I was gonna be cringing left and right, but pretty much the same few things that I cringed about that movie the first time I watched it are the same things that I still kind of cringe about. So right, right, right. but but we've got like the added nostalgia layer on top of that, which makes things not as bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I I just heard, and we're we're gonna mention it later, but uh, I was listening to Rob on the Comic Box. Um, which is also a, a geek to geek network uh, mm-hmm. podcast. And he was talking about how his favorite is the second Spider-Man movie. And that a lot of people think that that's the best out of the Tobey Maguire series. And I, I really don't remember it that well. I feel like I need to go back and, and see if it, it holds up for me. So I'm one of those people. I think that it is the best Spider-Man movie so far. I think it is one of the best superhero movies made still to this day. Um, and Part, a, a big reason why we even checked out the original one is because uh, I really want to see the second one. But as I mentioned, there are rules. <laughs> and you can't just jump into the second one if you haven't rewatched the first one yet. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Spider-Man 2 uh, with uh, Alfred Molina and Dr. Octopus, which is such a great movie. We're going we're gonna to be checking that out soon. So... <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, totally. Now, now has has he uh, listened? Uh, has she watched these with you? Because I know, you know, that you've made a, a a very big push to kind of catch her up on the Marvel movies in general. Yeah. So uh, we're all caught up. Um, we are now eagerly anticipating each new movie as it comes out. Um, Spider Man was you know went over really well. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Sam Raimi's Spider Man also. Um, was really enjoyed by all. Um, I think that it's funny. One, one thing that I was reminded of was how how closely... It's weird, because like, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was cl- closely, I feel like, uh, 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 followed the, the tone of the comics and like mm-hmm. the characters, the way the characters were, were drawn on screen were very, you know, closely related to what they, how they were represented in the comics. Right. But they got them out of high school so fast that that kind of changed everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so, so it was interesting to see like, oh, this is a lot like the comics, but also not like the comics. Right. So it's really weird to see how, I mean, God, we're what? We're, how many different takes in Spider-Man are we? Like three different takes. And as, as comic book fans, we're getting to see these evolve through the films in a similar way to how these characters have evolved through the comic books. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really in in some ways it's no different than um, you know anytime they reboot a title like in in, right. in the comic books. You know, they right. always make some sort of change to it. So now it's like, oh, okay, they they you know they changed this and that, but they didn't change that. And in the previous movies. That was something that they, you know, uh, uh, changed right away. So it's really interesting to see how all this is having an effect on each property. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll mention is that we've taken a break from Walking Dead. I know I, I, the last few times that I've been on here, I've mentioned how we're kind of working our way through all those seasons. Oh, man, that show is so heavy. It is the first time around, for some reason, I was just like enjoying it. It, it mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. really bother me. This time around, second time around, I'm like, geez, I need a break from this. Like, yeah, it's, it's just really brutal. 
I, I honestly don't have any, and I, I I realized this the other day because a bunch of Fear the Walking Dead is on my, or was, it's not anymore, on my um, DVR, mm. and I think I just kind of like delete it. If we want to find it, we can always like stream it on something else. Like, Ooh, that's a big move. That's a big is. step right there, isn't it? It is, and I've heard that Fear the Walking Dead has gotten really good, and that oh. it found its legs, and, and people are really enjoying it, but I think... I think for me, the the nail in the coffin with the Walking Dead series was I I can't can't force myself to sit and watch this last season's premiere because oh. everybody says that it's just misery porn, and right. and I I just think I'm in a place where that there's so much negativity in the world, <laughs> and maybe this is me coming off of a, a recording a state of the geek, but um <laughs> you know I I just I don't necessarily want to surround my stuff myself with with that kind of st- feeling like i don't i don't have the need i don't need that catharsis like my life's not in such a happy place right now that i yeah. need to i need to to temper it with misery <laughs> it's really interesting because i always felt i mean looking back it's like i was watching uh daredevil season two of daredevil which is pretty brutal mm-hmm. uh at the same time as i was watching walking dead at the same time as i was you know really into like all the real world like you know, gritty takes on all my, you know, favorite characters growing up. And I had no problem with it. I was like, this is great. This is fine. You know, and I think that's, that's kind of the case, which you just said, like, you know, it's a tempering of, you know, the opposite, you know, feeling in your own life or whatnot. But when those two things get too close together, it's like, ah, forget it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, so I like, you know, Spider-Man came out at a perfect time. Going back and revisiting, you know, the original Spider-Man series, which was very light and funny, was also uh, has also been fun. And I think you're right. It's like I'm seeking these things out now, and I'm like, uh, we'll we'll get, you know, I'll wait for a good stretch to to check out, you know, to uh, um, restart Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, we need to we need to find the things that uh, that counterbalance what we're not getting in in real life. That's totally. that's part of the escapism of being a geek. Totally. Yeah. We uh. We purchased um, uh, uh, one of the latest uh, Black Panther trades that has oh, nice. is written by Roxanne Gay, and it's uh, Tales of Wakanda or something like that. I just haven't caught up with my Black Panther reading, so it's like I have this cool like prize waiting for me, but I have to do my work before I can catch up and, and dive into that. So that's, a, that's another thing I'm excited about. I don't want to make it seem like all I do is watch stuff. I read yeah. stuff too, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Anything else? Um, that's about it, man. You know, with work and honestly, enjoying the summer. Like, <laughs> I, I think it's for some reason, and I think we've talked about this before, right? Like, um, outdoorsy, uh, you know, stuff tends to uh, uh, not really blend in well with geeky stuff. Like with geeky stuff, I'm usually like indoors doing something, right? And then you know, it's either that or go outside. <laughs> So we just got back from a camping trip. Um, I've been spending a lot of time outdoors and doing like active stuff. So, you know, um, I think you and I should keep working on ways to, you know, bring the geekiness outside. But, yeah, um, that that would be a, a, a oh god, I almost said that would be a good podcast. I can't do another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, planting seeds, Joe, planting seeds. Oh. <laughs> Like it's what it like I was just saying again I mean I just one of my my weekly geekery things is I am very much uh I I'm in podcasting mode I've I've mentioned that I'm going out of town for 
for about a month. I'll be at Comic-Con for a week and then um, I'm in, no, I'm overseas. And, and so my big thing is I've been doing so much podcasting because I, like the responsible adult that I am, uh, <laughs> waited until the last minute to schedule. And so basically you're number two of three today. And, uh, which is fine because, and, and I thought about it today. I'm like, I, I'm podcasting with Kelly, Ray, and Brian today. So it's like the perfect trifecta of, of people. Cause I know I don't have to stress about them showing up. I know I'm going to, it's like hanging out with friends. So it's not that, it's not that difficult. And, and I think, um, I think that's what, that, that's the best decision that I made about, about all these podcasts were, um, you know, I, the, the ones that I'm trying to pre-record are with, um, with people I know and people I'm catching up with. So it makes it kind of easy. Yeah. 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 But as I'm talking to Kelly, you know, somebody had mentioned, well, do you make money podcasting? <laughs> and she laughed and I said, yeah, you can make pod money podcasting, but our, mine, uh, my two podcasts, this one is, it's a wonderful show. I enjoy doing it, but I'm always going to have, I think a lower listenership because the, the market is saturated with geek culture podcasts right now. We're, we're a big deal. And so, um, so everybody wants to talk about it and everybody's got their own way of talking about it. And as much as I like to, to spin the whole bringing geeks together thing, you know, that's, that's not necessarily a call out to the wider world that everybody will, yes, that's the geek podcast I want to listen to. And the ones who listen to it enjoy it. And I think that's awesome. But I don't think that's ever going to be like the, the, cash cow of podcasting and then state of the geek is so specific yeah that it's like unless you are a geek who likes to geek out about politics as well as video games and comic books and movies and things and you have a high tolerance point for having to relive all the trauma that you're seeing on the news every day <laughs> um then you know that's a very small market now if we're moving into podcasts about geeks who like the outdoors we're gonna have like five listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding right uh, <laughs> um and if you think about i mean geek culture is also specific you know what i mean i'm trying to think right now of like what are what is what is some geek property or or um I don't know so some some geek some corner of geekdom that is universally like loved and accepted by geeks and supported you know what I mean that's yeah there's nothing no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it does not exist right exactly that's so so it's like yeah it makes sense that you know if if you wanted to even attempt to create a geek podcast, a geek culture podcast that is going to like bring in ev all the geeks. Like, what? That's not even. Is that even possible? You know, like, what would that look like? Not, not in a world with Nerdist and um, right. That was the first one. Geek and Sundry. You know, the ones that hit it big early on. Those are the ones that everybody kind of keeps going to, and yeah. and for good reason. And they have, you know, it's not even any one podcast at this point because they've diversified into so many. But right, right, that's true. Yeah, yeah because you know, hence, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's geeks. Um, so besides podcasting, <laughs> which is geeky <laughs> in itself, what what other geek stuff have you done this week? Um, honestly, a lot of time has been spent playing uh, Sims Four. Because quite honestly, the reason why I, I had waited so long to pop, my brain was just mush after the school year. It was a great school year. I had, um, I, I really loved the kids and everything else, but, uh, I, I think, you know, I just needed some recovery time. So I got that. I'm feeling better and I'm getting ready for the, the trip. I've been doing a lot of theater, not, you know, I've been consuming a lot of theater because, 
my drama class kind of exploded this year and where we're at a place where we can do, I think, more interesting and exciting things. So now I'm, I'm excited about finding what those things are. Yeah. That's pretty interesting to hear that it exploded beyond the ongoing explosion every year. It seems like you're, you're, from what I remember, your drama class was always very popular. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've gotten to a point where I'm like servicing about 12 to 15% of the school population at this point. Good Lord. Yeah. And we took 65 kids to, to a festival this year. Wow. So it's, and it's great, but it's gotten to be a, a bit of a, uh, management nightmare because yeah. you know everybody's there for different reasons. A little bit like geeks, <laughs> everybody's yeah. showing up and doing something different. But um, I, I think it's just it's kind of rekindled my my love for theater. I think for a couple years there, I was like, oh, I don't really care what new Broadway musicals are opening up. It's like I'm 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 out of college. That's what I obsessed about then. It's not, and I, I've kind of rediscovered the the theater geek in myself. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the the things that I uh, have been looking into a lot is there's a lot of movement-based theater coming out of Britain right now. And, it, Ray, the stuff these people do is phenomenal. Really? Um, yeah, I'll try and remember to put some some links in the show notes. But there, um, it, it's, there's a, a type of, of playwriting called devising, where you basically, as a group, come up with what the play is going to be. You go in with nothing but maybe an idea of what you want to talk about, and then through improv and through collaboration, it becomes a play. Wow. Which is very eye-poly. And, yeah, yeah. And this happens behind the scenes. Yes. Right? Yeah, okay. this happens. This is, this, is, this is how it gets presented. Okay. And then, and, the, and then the play is performed. And then the play is performed. Got it. Got it. Britain also has a very big movement-based um, theater culture. So there is this movement-based devising where they'll have – like there's a, a couple of videos by um, – uh, what is it called? I spent like 10 minutes geeking out about it with a friend this morning. Um, I'm going to look it up real quick. It is Frantic Assembly. Frantic Assembly is a company that uses movement to create these stories. And basically they'll do these exercises where um, you do these like three different types of movement and then your partner does three different types of movement. And then, and you do it like really in close proximity with each other. I was going to say, yeah, so it must be, it can be very subtle movements or does it have to be, you know, uh, um, really like big, like clear movements. Well, it's it starts out as kind of smaller because I mean you're right up against each other, and so it's like I think the first one is by through and near, and so you you have to make those choices. Are you going to go through wow. them? Are you going to go by them? Are you going to go or, or around? I guess is the third one. And, and once again, is this behind the scenes? Is what is being made, used to build the, the the script or the play? Yeah, itself? this is this is oh, like oh. okay, you've got your company of actors that are going to work. This is how they're developing what the story is going to be. Wow. And so they'll go and they'll make these movements, and like the person will do three, and then his partner will do three, and then then you'll keep going back and forth until you've got maybe fifteen movements, and then you start looking at these movements in a different way. What happens if we do this movement? And we give weight to it, um, you know, so that you have to force your way through as opposed to just passing through. What if you turn this movement into a lift? What if you and so what looks like the the video that I saw 
on online was like these these two guys are doing this movement it goes from just kind of bumping into each other to this very intimate scene and they don't know yet whether it's going to become a love scene or if it's going to become something that's like between two brothers or two friends or two but then you're like okay what do these movements say about this relationship what kind of relationship is this is it a romantic one is it a friendship one is it a one of support is it one of aggression and and that's how they build the theater that sounds really interesting um please send me that link so i can check it out and yeah absolutely really geeky so good job (laughs) (laughs) well and it's and it's funny because i mean like i I think you know this about me and the, the theater that we do is I always try and change it up. I change the the way the stage is set up. I I change the way we approach things. I I try and move it around. And last night I hung out with a friend of mine, my old business partner. Um, He was directing Guys and Dolls. Hmm. And I'm not a huge Guys and Dolls fan. It's an old show. It's outdated. It's very campy. And I was like, all right, I haven't seen you in forever, so that's why I'm coming to see your show. But, you know, it's Guys and Dolls. And the difference was is it's not on a proscenium stage, which is, you know, the kind of a, you're looking into the box. Mm-hmm. It was on a thrust, which means the audience is on three sides of you and there's not much space for set. So you just kind of have to be in the space yeah. and characters. Do you know guys and dolls at all? No, not at all. It's it, the base. <laughs> the conceit of the play is it's a bunch of gamblers in New York I mean, the the movie had um, Frank Sinatra in it, and you know it's that kind of era. Okay. And um, and one guy bets this other guy that he can't take this doll to Havana, which is, and she's a missionary. Oh God. <laughs> and and so it becomes this. All right, it's a bet. I'm going to. And of course, in the process, they fall in love and everything else. Well, almost every production I've ever seen of it, Sarah, the missionary, is just a harpy. Like she's just an angry individual that's just bitter and angry and hates men. And, and, and that's, that's a problem with the directors and problem with the actors and, and, you know, local theater doesn't always do a great job of, of finding the characters in this. And this actress last night, you could tell that she was doing all of this for her mission because she didn't want the mission to, 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 um, close down. And basically he promised to give her 12 sinners at a prayer meeting that her superior is going to be at. If she go, he goes to Havana with her, and um, and so you saw the motivation, and you saw that she was struggling with you know what was right and wrong, and does she really like this guy, and why does she like this guy, and was it say about her, and you're getting all of this from a campy little musical from back in the day. Wow. And I'm like, okay, like this is what theater should be. It's like taking those risks to find the story in something that's old and blasé. Or, or finding the way these movements, you know, so this is what I have been geeking about for probably the last two months. Right. right. And in fact, uh, I think in about the, the podcast that I am recording tomorrow, which will be airing in about a month (laughs) is, uh, with Rob from the comic box. And I think we're just going to geek out about theater because it's been, um, a really long time since I've been able to kind of just immerse myself in theater. And that's, That's been fun. This reminds me how I'm often labeled as a geek about everything that I'm into. And I guess uh-huh. just, you know, I don't know how to kind of be into something just, you know, 
peripherally or whatever. Like it's if it's something that I really love, like I want to learn everything about it. You know, <laughs> like yeah, um, I'm like that about food because I love to cook. I'm like that about sports. You know, I'm like that about reading comic books, what movies. You know, like that's just how I feel like geeks just engage with the things that they love. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, that sounds great. That's fascinating. I would love to learn more about this type of theater. It's, it's you know, I, I grew up, growing up, most of my life, I haven't really been that um, attracted to theater, like, as mm -hmm. an art form. Um, but the couple of times that I've actually gone and, and seen, you know, different shows, uh, I've really enjoyed it. But it does give me some anxiety. And I think that's, obviously, that's, you know, to do with me and what's going on, in, in, you know, internally with, with myself. But... It's just this idea of being on stage like that really doesn't sit well with me. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. so even even watching people do that, it's like I get anxiety for them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but um but definitely there there have been shows that I've, you know, made it a point to go see or whatnot. So this sounds fascinating. Well, I mean, like we'll have to I, I know they're doing it, it's funny because I had been I actually showed the the videos that I'll send you and I'll I'll put them in the show notes, but I'll I'll also talk about them with uh Rob tomorrow. Um I looked at this this company. I showed him to to Matt a couple, I think last weekend. I was like, "Look at this! This is awesome." He's like, "Oh yeah, that's really cool." And then I'm talking to my friend last night before we when we went to dinner before the show, and he was like, "Well, you know, knowing that I'm going to London, we we're talking about London theater. I'm really excited because I get to see the Royal Shakespeare Company perform uh, the Tempest, which is like, you know, the Royal Shakespeare Company is the definitive. Like, if you want to see Shakespeare done correctly, that's that's yeah. who you go to." Um, so, you know, I'm geeking out about all the theater I'm going to be seeing in London. And he was talking about when they were in London, they saw this show called, um, let me see if I can remember it. The curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, I think is what it's called. Yeah. The curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. And I was like, that sounds really familiar. And he started describing it and I'm like, oh my God, that's a frantic uh, assembly production. Like they did all the movement work for that show. And he goes, well, it's coming to L.A. at the end of the summer. Ooh. So, you know, maybe that's we will uh, have you go with us. Because that, yeah, because it, it is like I, I was bummed because they didn't have any shows playing while I was out in London. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get to see them. And and my friend Greg was like, no, no, they're they're coming out. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do that. If, if you could get past the anxiety, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is movement-based theater, so there's lifts and everything else, so I'm sure that can't help. <laughs> I was really bummed to have missed, you know, the um, stage production of Spider-Man, <laughs> because you know the actors kept dying apparently or something. So, <laughs> have you have you ever seen any online video of that show? It exists. Oh yeah, well, I mean, like not the whole show, but like there's a one number which like it's like go into the night or something, and it's got like these really cheesy like Spider-Man on ice type costumes for the villains. It's awful, Ray. I can't even imagine how something like this got turned. Like, like there's nothing. There's honestly nothing cool about it, and it's like the one thing you would want from a Spider-Man musical would it be to be cool? Like it's the thing that that you know people who who don't like theater like this is why, right? Like, yes, exactly, exactly. Stereotype. Like, yeah. Um, and apparently, what the the Spider-Man actors kept breaking their ankles because of you know the the rigging and how they were trying to pull off some of the aerial stuff. 
Well, as somebody who's who's worked on a fly system before, it it's not easy. It's <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, man. Talk about anxiety watching a live show. I would be having a meltdown. There's no way. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I I'm gonna try and do this in a way that doesn't like. You'll have to probably mute it. And I apologize. This is not good podcasting but i just put a link into youtube for you oh and if you can yeah. just just don't just like honestly just turn down the volume to completely and let me see if i can find one of the pictures of go into the night spider-man turn off the dark oh my god this is actually Whoa! Go to go to three fourteen. Go to three fourteen. Yeah. Totally see how they're breaking their ankles within fifteen seconds, Joe, of this clip. I I could see where the ankles are are breaking. That's... But just like go to go to three three oh five, and and then play it on mute, and and just watch the the ridiculousness. <laughs> Of the costuming, oh, like there's God. a guy with bees. <laughs> it's kind of a, um, I don't know. I want to say the movements remind me of the Munchkins in um, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> that shouldn't that shouldn't be like <laughs> like what's going on with Craven? Do you see Craven in the and background? The, and the costumes and the lighting. Oh my God! Look at Carnage. Oh my God! What was that? <laughs> Well, there's there's the lizard, but the lizard is not its own character. It's like coming out of the scientist. Oh yeah, that's right. Who interpreted? Oh my god, that's the lizard. I didn't. I was like, who's the T Rex in the back? That's the lizard. <laughs> like, how did this? How did this happen, Ray? I don't understand. <laughs> and I've seen bad theater. I've seen oh. really bad theater. But how? How did somebody go, oh, I've got a costume design for the lizard. It's going to be great. Like, this is, Yeah, this is like a live production of Batman and Robin. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Dr. Freeze's, like, Ice Capade warrior with, with warriors with all the, the neon lights and stuff. Yeah, well, this I mean, and, like, it does remind me of, like, like, it should be Spider-Man on ice. Like, that yeah. cartoony, everything's done over the loudspeaker, nobody's actually saying their lines because they're all pre-recorded kind of thing. Normally, I avoid comments uh, on YouTube, but these are pretty uh, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like this has made my day. This is I will have to remember to put this in the show notes because if you have not seen this trailer, oh, like, wow. it is a YouTube phenomenon. This is like perfect. It's all connected, man. This is a perfect bridge between, you know, starting a, a podcast about Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, and, and delving into a tangent about theater. Here we go. We bring it all back. We bring it all <laughs> back. <internet> provides. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. So that's that, it. And then I think, <laughs> what was that? I'm in the mood now to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. That was perfect. <laughs> the, the last thing I'm going to say is that what this is all kind of, um, one of the things that is on my list of things to do before I leave is kind of, I've got the Hoopla app, which is allows you to kind of check out books electronically and they have a lot of comic books. And so I'm trying to decide which ones I want to take with me on my trip. 
because I do want to use the time. I, I read the most when I'm on vacation. Yeah. Wait, so, so I've got to read. You're not, you're, I got to figure out what Hoopla is because I'm sick of taking uh, paperback, uh, uh, graphic novels with me on the road and then having to lug them all back with nothing to read on the plane because <laughs> <laughs> I read them all already. Right. It's, um, you, you need a library card. But okay. I know I just got a, a LA library card from the Claremont Library because it was the one farthest east, okay. and um, and you just kind of put in your your um, library card number and it lets you check out eight items a month, virtually. and virtually, and they can be um, eBooks, they can be um, comic books that are like comicsology level comic books. Um, nice. a lot of graphic novels, a lot of books on, on tape, which is what I've been using it for. But I think I've got enough of those. I just need, you know, I've got podcasts I got to catch up on and everything else. So I just need like reading material. And so reading. instead of going out and buying a whole bunch of stuff on Kindle, I'm um, trying to support the library and, and do it that way. So you read them on your phone or on your laptop or on an iPad or? I'm bringing in an iPad, but my iPad's really old and really crappy. So I, I that's part of the reason why I got a, a Plus when I bought my iPhone is because I do know I, I read on it and I, I use it as basically a tablet. Yeah. So if I have to, I can always read on that. I've got um, I also have Marvel Unlimited until October. I don't know right. that I'll renew because I don't know I use it that often, but I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I get some use out of it on this trip to make sure I I want to keep it or not. This is gonna in handy this travel season <laughs> well good 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 awesome all right well let's take a quick commercial break and we'll hear about some of the other shows on the network and then we'll come back and dive into spider-man i'm void and i'm beach and together we're the geek to geek podcast well we make it it is kind of us but i guess it's separate every week we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while and you're invited we talk about books and movies games comics the internet or really whatever we feel like yeah that too so look for the geek to geek podcast on itunes or wherever your podcasts are sold or downloaded or whatever Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the, the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. And we're back. And before we dive into to Spider-Man, I do want to mention that if uh, you know we're we're getting to the party a little bit late because it's going to be this coming out on Monday the seventeenth, and it's been out for a week. So hopefully you have already caught episodes fifty-five and fifty-six of the Comic Box because Rob has uh, Rob and company have covered very nicely the. Um, kind of origins of the story going into it in episode 55 and then definitely have kind of dissected it like we do um and in episode 56 and the great thing about what he does is that he gives you all the little easter eggs that you didn't necessarily know were in there i didn't know that there were a lot of those in there so i was thoroughly entertained to listen to all the different details that i didn't catch 
Um, so there's the comic box, and then I do believe that Season 2, Episode 26 of geek to geek Podcast has also covered Spider-Man. So this is this is hopefully not the... Uh, <laughs> you're not like, oh yeah, I've heard it already, Joan Ray. Because there's a lot of stuff out there. Make sure you go check it out. Spider-Man's getting a lot of love. They are, yeah. So what do you think? Good? What what was the good? What was the bad? Where where are we? Where where do you want to start? Um I really liked it. Um and I feel like right off the bat I could tell that this movie was doing a lot of heavy lifting for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um usually that's a bad sign, but I feel like they pulled it off with this film. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, like it, it really they, they man, they just did a lot to weave it into the existing universe. And to correct a bunch of stuff that they felt had gone wrong in past Spider-Man movies. And, like, they were also trying to connect to a broader audience through representation. And they're also trying to, like, set up, like, seeds for, like, future storylines. It was just a ton going on. But, again, this is the thing that we keep coming back to with Marvel, right? They just have a formula figured out where there's a certain pleasant quality to, you know, their movies in general that really Mm -hmm. buys a lot of um, goodwill from the audience. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So I really liked it. Um, there was a couple of times that I cheered, um, just kind of like, you know, forgot where I was and just screamed out with joy. Um, <laughs> one of those times, uh, I was literally the only person in the audience who did that. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little bit embarrassing. But um, first and foremost, I think uh, they got the exact right actor to portray Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Yeah, Tom Holland's phenomenal. I, I mean, Tobey Maguire, I think, was a good Peter Parker, and I think Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man. I think this is the first time we've gotten both. Yeah, that's a really good take. I've heard you share that before, and I absolutely agree. That's that's spot on, I think. Um, yeah, he's he's great. I love, and this just carries over from his, his first appearance in a Civil War I love the fact that he sounds like a kid from Queens. Like that's so yeah. great to it's such a small detail that I can't believe I completely overlooked in the past. You know? He's a kid from Queens. Like that's you know, and, and just the fact that he's it, that's represented he sounds like that is great. And I love that it took place there as well. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's a very detail oriented show. Like I feel like there's a lot of little like they didn't take anything for granted in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that you felt had been taken for granted in the past with Spider-Man that they didn't with this film? Um, well, I think there's a lot of, you know, we're going to do funny for funny's sake or, you know, big, big spotlight. Look at this reference that we made. Look at this <laughs> drop-in that we did. And I feel like there were more, especially after listening to the comic box, there's more... Easter eggs in this than in, I think, most movies, let alone Spider-Man movies, and you weren't necessarily looking for them, and they didn't necessarily point them out. Like, if you caught it, you caught it, but if you didn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like, hi, we're going to make a reference to something now. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. One of the points that I wanted to make was that there was... There was a lot of little moments that I really loved, and that's what kind of is adding up to making me like the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was tons of little touches that they did. Because, again, we all know this character by now. We all know the story. We all know the basic, you know, drama, or, or at least what, you know, what is going to 
uh, cause the, the drama and what kind of drama we're going to be seeing because it's a young kid in high school and he's balancing, you know, his his high school life, you know, and relationships and friendships with being a superhero. We know that already. So it's they just did a good job of like all these little touches. I love one of my first like early things that I really enjoyed was the scene. We actually got to see him put on his costume. Yeah. Which I thought was so great because it's something we always miss out on and other, you know, obviously Iron Man has a big showy thing, but that's part of, you know, the technology and being Iron Man and showing that off. But for when have we ever seen, you know, because we know from reading about, you know, these productions that, oh, it took this, you know, you know, Michael Keaton, you know, two hours to put on the Batman costume or, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, it's a production. So for them to like have the guts to just show like, yeah, this is him putting on the costume, like as he's running down an alley or whatever. That was a really cool touch, I feel like. And it, and they did it without the awkward moment of somebody seeing him. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I was so happy. Like, I appreciated that because I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those where he's in his boxers and somebody around, comes around and he waves awkwardly. And it, it's like, it's yeah. an unneeded moment. Yeah. And, and yet you still have that slight drama there of like, oh, someone's going to like, okay, you know, he's, he's out in the open. He's exposed. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but they know that that's enough. They didn't have to do more than that. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite thing about the the movie as a whole was that I feel, and, and this is speaking as an almost 40-year-old man, um, <laughs> I, I feel like it captured what it's like to be a teenager. Right. In, well, in you're many a ways. man that, you know, works with teenagers, so. Yeah, and, and that's where I feel a little bit more justified saying it, but, um, you know, I don't want somebody to go, you don't know me, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's like, I... Being a teacher, I felt like the school felt like a real school, like it felt like it had a diverse population and that it wasn't just each of these students were strategically placed. I mean, they may have been. And and again, a lot of the Easter eggs are in his classmates. But um, I, I feel like it felt like a real high school. I feel like there is a universal feeling of adults not listening to you which is what half of this movie is about right and and i feel like they did a very good way of really showing that like he's trying to get in touch with happy and happy is like just not accessible and he feels like nobody's listening to him right um and nobody understands the because i mean i think we all felt like that in high school nobody understands where we're coming from they've never gone through this before they don't get me and and you see very physically him go through this yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I. That was a, a one of the first shots of him walking into his high school, and you see, like, you know, all the students that are heading into school for the day, and it's like this scene, basically, this uh, you know, very populated with teenagers. And one of the first notes that I made in my head was, yeah, that that is what it feels like. <laughs> like mm-hmm, that is what mm-hmm. that scene looks like. Usually, it's so like fake and manufactured and you know you're like oh this is not what a real high school looks like but they right. captured that and and right away i was like oh great you know they're, they're they've actually did their research or whatever had to happen <laughs> whatever learning and research had to happen they got it right. um speaking to your your comment about um you know trying to get in touch with with happy and and being cast aside or, or, or feeling overlooked uh it did it, it did kind of uh, make me happy to see how even though the perception by Peter was that he was leaving all these messages and no one was listening to them, you know as the movie goes along through through uh, Stark's language that he's actually listened to every single thing. Yeah. And it's like, how, how much of a nut is Stark that he has time with everything else that he's doing? 
Like, you know, like he's, is he touched? Like what's going on? (laughs) But it also, but it also kind of shows the connection he feels with. It's a, it's a very good character moment for Tony Stark because you see that he doesn't have the time to do, I mean, we assume he doesn't have the time to do this kind of stuff. So the fact that he did says a lot about him. And the fact that he hasn't communicated this to Spider-Man says a lot about him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they took advantage of all those little dynamics to say more about all the characters, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like, yeah, it was like a nonstop character in this movie. Even the um the big set pieces and the big action scenes, which I was worried about because, you know, I knew that the director, uh, uh, Watts, can't remember his first name, but he didn't have a lot of, like, big action movie experience. And so mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, usually I can kind of tell. Um, But no, I thought they did a good job. Well, and... And I think one of the things that we were both concerned about uh, from from our previous conversations is that we'd seen most of the movie in the the trailers, and I I, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised that I I didn't like it's, there was enough surprises to keep me interested. I felt like there was a good substantial portion of the movie that I hadn't anticipated. Yeah, same here. You're right. I remember us talking about that, and I actually caught um, something on Twitter where someone it was it was they they were still embargoed, but they did share that um, someone asked, you know, do we know most of the storyline from the trailer? And they said, nope, that they did a really good job, actually, with the trailer. And I was like, oh, okay, good. So, yeah. yeah, that was really cool to see that, you know, there was still tons of stuff in the movie. Oh, man, there's, and I mean, this is a spoiler cast, so, but there was some really great moments in the film where I was, like, taken aback and, damn, I can't believe I didn't see that coming, you know? Yeah. Well, we mentioned at the beginning, and I was I was debating whether we should repeat it again, but I'll I'll do it just for the sake of doing it. This is a spoiler cast. We are going to, I think, especially at this point, start going into spoiling the show. So if you haven't, you know, this is your spoiler alert. I mean, it says spoiler cast in the title, but you know, in case you just missed it. <laughs> I love that you call movies shows. That's great. It just shows. oh, I know it drives you nuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's actually funny because it just. Reminds me of how much TV you watch. <laughs> well, honestly, I don't think it's a TV thing. I think it's a theater thing. Oh. Because you have shows. Like, you know, Damn, you have a Friday sense. night show, your Saturday night show. Like, <laughs> I think that's where it comes from. So one of the big um, complaints that we get pretty consistently from Marvel films is that the villains don't make much of, you know, a, an impression. How did you mm-hmm. feel about the villain in this film? I thought Michael Keaton was phenomenal. And mm-hmm. I hear... Yeah, it was the first it was the first Marvel villain that we've had in a while that you honestly were invested in because there were so many different ways that this could have gone wrong. And it did. <laughs> what uh expand on that. <laughs> like like you could look at you could look at this and say, okay, you know, he's just the bad guy. And so, yes, we've given him this um accessibility and this reason for doing what he does that, you know, I think a lot of people can empathize with, but then he's just the bad guy and it doesn't fit with the character that they've established, which we've seen in different movies. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's right. You're absolutely right. We were saying about how they knew when more was needed and when that was enough. Yeah. Because they did the opposite, the exact opposite. They could have gone and, you know, set him up to be the this family guy and then make it super sappy where he lost all of his strength. Yeah. And they didn't go that direction either. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh god, that that one has been done over and over and over again. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought Michael Keaton was great. Um, I think he's probably one of the best villains that it's funny because like, you know, I talk when I'm talking about Marvel movies with people, I talk about a lot about Guardians of the Galaxy and how much I love that mm-hmm. uh that film franchise. Um but uh God, you know, the, the villains are probably the least for me, like they're like the like the least important part of the whole story. Right. Um and they did a good job with Loki of starting out, you know, I think with a really strong villain and giving him like, you know, a ton of backstory and really developing that character. And I felt like they did much the same with Michael Keaton. You get the sense, don't you, Joe, that like Spider-Man is really important to Marvel. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, really they treated this with great respect. And, great... and and what universe, Roy? What universe would we be saying, okay, so the best Marvel villain to this point is the Vulture? Like, yeah. what <laughs> What the hell? Yeah, tell me about it, right? But, God, and so cool to get someone like Michael Keaton, too. Like, I forget. I, for, I forget how good of an actor he is. Um, yeah. But he, yeah, he really held his own in this film. I thought that for all that they were trying to do on the Spider-Man end of things, it really... Um, was a smart move to bring a really strong villain because he could he was easily I feel like taking over the scenes between him and Peter Parker you know right um, right he was a real force and that's okay it's like because then that also adds to the feeling of like Peter feeling like overwhelmed and like you know like really really in danger you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh that, that I mean like when we talk about favorite moments uh, one of my favorite moments is that the car ride like that is probably the best scene in the, the movie yeah. Yeah. And it's so simple. It doesn't need anything flashy or anything else. All it is is that. And and it and I'm sitting there thinking about it. it's working on two levels. First of all, you're in the car with your date's dad, which already is never a good thing. Like <laughs> it's already awkward. And then you add on to this layer that they've both recognized that who they are, and they both know that each other knows who they are. And it's just added that extra layer of of intensity. Yeah. But everything's kept subtle, nothing's over the top. Even even Michael Keaton, who's you know he he mugs with the best of them. And he did do some of his, you know, the Michael Keaton facial expressions, but they were appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that he works it out for himself too in the course of the car ride. Yeah. That was really cool to see. And I actually read that um that was the favorite uh scene. Of uh, the 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 screenwriters and the director said that he that was the scene that he was most looking forward to filming, which again you 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 mentioned how it's not a ton of flashy shots or anything like that, but it speaks to the the dramatic weight of that moment, right, of that whole scene. Yeah, well, because uh, you've got that shot of of him, you know, mentally figuring it out, and because it's Michael Keaton, you can see the process happening, and then yeah. you see the back seat, you see Tom Holland sitting there, like holding in this intense panic trying to figure out what the fuck to do and it's it's brilliant yeah the whole movie pivots around that scene right it's like a different movie up until that point and then it's a different movie after that and i'm usually one of those people who i'm sorry i think i cut you off no no i just thought they really pulled it off yeah yeah um I, i i'm one of those people who feels like well, first of all, I, as a, back to Michael Keaton, 
I, I've gotten a lot of <laughs> a lot of guff for my opinion on Chris Pine. Like a lot of people are like, how do you how can you say Chris Pine wasn't good in Wonder Woman? And I'm like, because he was Chris Pine. And I feel like <laughs> Michael Keaton could have fallen into that same trap, but I wasn't sitting there going, oh, that's Michael Keaton. No, that's Michael Keaton. No, that's Michael Keaton. And I don't right. know if I'm alone in that, but I didn't I didn't feel that way. No, I didn't. I felt, oh, that dude definitely voted for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's other than that though no no I, <laughs> but i thoroughly enjoyed the character despite that um it was um really shows how when you get i mean just getting a big name is not enough like you want to get someone who can actually you know like you said like chew the scenery and and create a really effective counterbalance to the hero of the story mm-hmm. um and I usually am not a big fan of like left, you know, twists from out of left field. Um, I feel like um, twists in general are okay. Like it's okay to throw a, a twist or whatever. I feel like M Night Shyamalan like ruined that for yeah. for filmmakers. You know, <laughs> it's a twist. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it became based on you know some of the horrible choices that he made in some of his films it became one of those things that just people automatically were averse to, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was worried about that with this film. The moment that twist happened, I knew immediately, this is great. And then as I was still watching the film, in the back of my head, I was thinking, God, I hope people don't just, like, just crap all over that just because it's a twist. You know what I mean? Well, and did you see the twist coming? No, I didn't at all. Because I, I, I'm one of those people who I spoil the movie for myself, or I'm just like, well, this is obvious that it's going to happen. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, did I not see the twist coming because I was just so immersed in the movie that it was, um, that I wasn't, I wasn't anticipating it? Or was it just done that well? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think they, they just really pulled it off. They nailed it. Yeah. It was, it was an, ex- like, I, I, he opened the, cause I, I was thinking, I bet he opens the door and the vultures figured it out and has the family hostage. Like that's, that's kind of the, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And oh, then he God. opens it up and I was like, oh, damn, I did not see that coming. And then I was like, why did I not see that coming? <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good sign. I feel like that's a good sign. Absolutely. Um, and the way they interpreted the vulture visually, I thought was cool. The way they set it up with all the t- the alien tech left over after the Avengers battle, I really loved that. Um, just such a smart way to interpret characters. And I'm a huge fan of taking a great character from the comics that was, you know, created in the 60s or whatnot, keeping what is essentially like interesting about the character, but fuck everything else. Like, just change it. I don't need it to like, you know, I don't need them to being hokey, you know, primary color costumes and, you know, all that stuff. Like, let's please, like, like update it. Show that these characters at their core have something that transcends, you know, the, the, the really um, kitschy, you know, over-the-top uh, uh, costumes and whatnot that, that they were, you know, they're known for. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. And I'm all, that's one of the reasons why I love comic book movies is because I'm excited to see the interpretation. Right. You know, well, and so, we got we got, actually got four villains in this movie. I don't know if people realize that, like four named right. villains, because yeah, we got yeah. we got the vulture, we got the shocker, but we also got the tinkerer. Yes, that's right. And we got um, you know the the beginnings of the scorpion. Yeah, yeah, and on top of that, we got the prowler too. Uh, oh, that's right. 
Yeah, with Donald Glover, which was really pulled off well. Again, and I feel like, to be honest, going back to the Sam Raimi stories, I, you know, it's, it's for all the things that, you know, looking back now you see could be improved, I think he did a really good job of setting up Spider-Man, you know, and the Spider-Man universe of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it's cool to see that, because you could, they did it horribly with Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> that was such a bad way of setting up new characters or whatnot, future plot lines. Um, but I think it was a return to form with this with this movie um, because you, again, you don't need to do much. You know, just have a character mention their name or whatnot, and that's it. I think with Scorpion, that completely went over my head. I didn't even notice the Scorpion tattoo until I read about it later. Yeah. So I thought that was really well done. But the Vulture with the whole because he actually looked kind of cool, you know, and you would think, but it was like that, like dad cool, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the leather jacket and like the goggles or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like he wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, we're gonna make him young and flashy. It's not like like they didn't take it to that direction. They they kept him an older guy. They kept him a, you know, it it, it made sense for the character in this world. Yeah, the shearling jacket was a nice touch because you got that feathery ruffle thing around the neck that vulture you know from the comic books is known for but it made sense with the jacket that he was wearing even though it was a bit flamboyant like that was cool you know right um i did wonder at one point though like how like how many like stark level like geniuses genius inventors are there running around the marvel universe (laughs) well and that's another one of the um the the Easter eggs, I guess, is that you can look at all the posters in um, the high school, and it's like it's got Stark, and it's got uh, it's got both Starks, it's got uh, Banner, it's got all these people right. that because I mean when you think about it, especially back in the '60s, almost all the characters were scientists. Peter Parker was a scientist. The Beast is a scientist. Um, you know, at on some level, Professor X is a scientist. Yeah, uh, Reed yeah. Richards is a scientist. Like they are all scientists, and so you know, I think there was um, most of the people in the the Marvel Illuminati were at some point scientists. Yeah, that was Stanley's uh, genius, right? It was that he said he's like science was my excuse for you know any new powers that I had to come up with to come up with a new character. He's like I just relied on science for everything. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I remember I've talked to, uh, the bio teacher at my school that the reason why I remember what ATPs are from, they're, they're basically the, the, the way your cells store energy. It's a very simplified version of what an ATP is. But, um, I was like, well, there is like the beginnings of every mutant energy power ever. Like right there. <laughs> that's, that's what that is. No kidding. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I mean, and then it also, again, the tinker makes sense, you know, because he's the one who would know how to do that, right? Right. Um, what, what else we got? Uh, so, yeah, the plot twist was great. Uh, Michael Keaton as the Vulture was amazing. Tom Holland was great. I loved um, how accessible. I was going to say the costume as well. Uh, what, how did you feel about his costume having all those kind of extra, you know, um, special abilities or whatnot? Um, I thought it was appropriate for the world that they created, because obviously if you're going to get something from Tony Stark, it's not going to be simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know a couple people, and I think Rob mentioned that, you know, whether or not we needed Karen, the AI. Right. 
but again, it's, it's, you know, I didn't have a problem with her and I thought she kind of added some, you know, when he didn't have anybody to, again, it's that whole, I don't have anybody to talk to. Right. Right. Um, you know, nobody understands me, so I'm going to go to the, it's, it's very topical. I'm going to go to technology to, uh, to satisfy that social need. (laughs) Oh my God. That's true. No, I'm telling you, the more you think about how this, this, this is teenage life turned up to 11. Oh man, that's awesome. That just makes me want to see it again. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's like I mean, one of the things we should like we always you know we give the good and then we give the bad. I I don't know that there's much that I can really complain about. Yeah, I have a I have a short list of the bad stuff, but I honestly had to work to come up with that list. So um, what, what's your list? Um, for the bad, um, I didn't like the very on the nose. John Hughes reference in the Ferris Bueller scene that was played on TV. Okay. That completely took me out of the film and I had to kind of work a little bit to get back in. And that bummed me out because I was enjoying myself so much. It's just like, and and maybe that just comes from me being so connected to the, to the promotion for this film that, you know, I had already heard them say over and over again, how, you know, they wanted this to be like a John Hughes film. Mm -hmm. And I thought they could have pulled it off. They were pulling it off fine without the, you know, obvious reference there. You know, if I think it actually would have been very inspired to just have that scene and let people figure it out, you know, on their on, for themselves later. Oh, that was like the Ferris Bueller. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But to actually have like the music and I was just like, uh, all right. That was, you know, that was a bit much. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I thought that um, it was a bit maybe too Avengers heavy, which... I understand why, you know, they did that and all about, you know, how the script has to do a lot of heavy lifting to connect it to the mm-hmm. universe. But there were a few times where I was like, okay, like, just let this be his movie, you know? Right. Um, I think I liked that they used Happy as, you know, a way to, to connect to Tony without having, you know, Robert Downey Jr. in every scene. Right. That was cool. Um but yeah, just I feel I I thought it was a bit much. It took away a little bit, you know, more than I would have liked from from the focus on Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's it, really. I mean, there was some some dicey CGI early on when they first showed him swinging around in his costume. I was like, oh, that looks cartoony, like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, the um, suburbs. While, while I appreciate the suburb scene and the fact that he shoots and realizes, you know, shoots his web and realizes nothing. Nothing to swing on, um, which I think is a great because I mean people have have you know that's one of those nerd arguments like how does he what does he attach yeah. it to when he's not in the big city, um, running through a golf course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it's funny. You're just like that. That that makes sense. I think that scene went on a little too long. Like he went through a couple couple too many yards. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that it, it's one of those things where. It was a nice, it was a nice little character moment of okay, like this, this process is not easy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They make it easy, look easy, but it's not easy. Yeah, totally. Were you? Uh, was there anything else that you didn't care for uh, in, the, in the film? You know, not not really. And it's not like I. And as much as I'm, I'm saying I love this movie. I feel like the last couple of movies that we've covered from Marvel felt this way after guardians of galaxy the galaxy and i felt this way after uh dr strange dr strange where it's just like it was a good movie like as i left like that's what that's what i felt i think this is a little bit better because i i relate to the the teenage aspect of it yeah 
but I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's a good good movie. And, and I I think that's actually a good thing because I don't think we necessarily need to have this oh my god groundbreaking thing because if we get that all the time it just it's not fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. Have you what have you what has been your uh uh I guess what have you heard from from if if at all from anyone who's not as familiar with these stories and with these characters? Um, Matt liked it. Yeah. You know, yeah, Matt, Matt liked it, um, and I haven't talked to a lot of people who who don't know the characters at all. Yeah. But um, and we went to go see it with my in-laws, and they enjoyed it. But they enjoyed it as yeah, just kind of a fun movie. And yeah, I think my my mother-in-law said something along the lines of, "Yeah, not quite as as angsty as some of the the <laughs> superhero movies we've gone to see with you guys." So <laughs> yeah, it's 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 from what I've heard, it's gone over really well with my friends that are you know this is like their first Spider-Man movie that they're seeing. So mm-hmm. uh, like they, everyone really likes the vibe and the tone of the movie overall and how much fun it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you say that there's not much else that stood out to you as a negative, because that tells me that you dug a lot of what they did then the whole, um, um, young, young version of Aunt May. Yeah. That, that's never bothered me. I know some people threw, you know, fits, I I have <laughs> I have a a harder time with the young Mrs. Grundy on Riverdale than I do with <laughs> young anime and Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was well done. I liked it. I liked the twist at the end where she walks in on on Peter. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think that's cool. great. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God, thank God, we don't have to deal with going forward. You know, the whole secret identity thing. Um, well, we've had really, that conversation. That's just kind of like we've done it. Like that story is yes, not fun anymore. Absolutely, and and it reminded me of you know Tony Stark at the end of the first Iron Man movie, standing up to the press and saying, "I am Iron Man." You know, mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. so cool, and just like it made it like an exciting point going forward. You know, yeah. um, I loved loved the Captain America cameos. Yes, although I was so frustrated by that. Like, it was one of those, I'm hating this moment, but I appreciate it for what it is, the the final end of the the stinger at the very end. Like, yeah. my God, I hate... Like, it's when you get trolled and you accept that it was a damn good troll. Like, I was so bitter and angry because I was... I even, like, at the end of every movie, like every movie at this point... Matt turns to me and says, do we need to wait for anything? And I pull out my phone. I look at Run and Pee, which is the app I use to look this up. And it says, you know, whether or not there's any scenes. And the app says there's one a minute in uh, and you definitely have to stay for the one after the credits. Oh, nice. And so I was doubly <laughs> disappointed because now I'm anticipating this great reveal and how it's going to integrate back into the Marvel Universe and I was like, all right, <laughs> you got me. You got me. Oh, see, we're so similar. I um, do the same thing where, you know, my friends turn to me and say, do we have to stay? And I actually go on a, a website called afterthecredits.com. Mm-hmm. And it says, yes, there's, you know, there's a mid-credit sequence and there's an end-credit sequence. And that's it. Not as trollery as, as your app. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I turned and said, yeah, there's, you know, we should stay. Um, and I laughed my ass off, man. I thought it was so. I was like, "Well done!" Like my 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 in laws were so confused. They're like, "I don't why why did we stay? I don't I don't understand." And, and Matt Matt got it. Matt thought it was hilarious because he's I love always the, you know the idea too of like you know we think Captain America is really cool and obviously he's the most badass Avenger of them all. 
But because Uh this is a teenage world that we've inhabited for this movie, Captain America is so not cool. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. I thought that was a nice touch. (laughs) Um, So what about um, Michelle, a.k.a. or or the twist? I guess that was also kind of a, a, a bait and switch or redirect, right? Where the whole film, you know, Liz is the love interest. And uh, for us and for my group, uh, Michelle was was the the favorite of the supporting characters. Um, oh yeah, me her, too. Her one-liners and her attitude—it was just great. We all loved it. And so um, I thought that was a pretty cool redirect at the very end of the film when Liz is you know leaving town, and then Michelle mentions that uh, she likes to be called MJ. Yeah, and I've I've heard people say that when she said no, just kidding, that it kind of undoes it, and it's not really her. It was just kind of a a funny reference. Ha ha. Right, but I don't know. I'd I'd actually love to see that MJ. Yeah, like that. That's the MJ I want to see. Do you think that's Marvel and Sony kind of hedging their bets and waiting to see what the reaction is before they go forward? I wouldn't be surprised because they flat out said that she wasn't playing that character. Yeah, yeah. Because and and I feel I feel like they said that partly because they were going to do this spin at the end, and then partly because they were worried about all the backlash, which is just, there's no reason for that kind of a backlash. It, it, it yeah, pisses no me off because I would like, she is the MJ I want to see just because she's different. Yeah. And you, you've taught high school. She, I, I felt she was the most authentic teenager there. Absolutely. 100%. Because she was just weird <laughs> and people don't understand how weird teenagers are. Yeah. Cause they're still, they're figuring themselves out, let alone, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's not enough pretense there, you know, for, for them to, to, um, be what people think of as adults, you know? No, they're, <laughs> they're kids. They're weird. They're contradictory. They're a mess. Like, it's okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, where he's like, you're not even supposed to be here. And she's like, yeah, but I like to sketch people who are in, you know, having their moments. And I'm like, I know kids that would do that. And I'm like, oh, like God. the number of times I'm saying, what are you doing this? Why? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Me and my roommate turned to each other after that line and said, oh, she's going to art school. that's perfect that's great um and yeah i i to just to expand on this point um the representation was amazing it was just great because it felt like a real new york it felt like a real high school it just felt Mm -hmm. like a real world you know yeah it it felt like a place that actually existed and i think that that's something that we've missed in the other like you feel like you're in a comic book world when you watch Toby Bunkwire. You feel like you're in a comic book world when you watch uh, Anthony Garfield or Andrew yeah. Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I love yeah. their update of Flash while we're at it as well. That was the perfect bully, like nerd bully for for our age. You know. Yeah, because again, I know that kid too. Yeah, that douchey like DJ. Like, yeah, it was great. It was perfect. Ah, they did it so well. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Going forward, uh, they've already said that they're going to do a, a, a sequel, obviously. Right. Um, is there anything you'd like to see? or your? Well, I think, I think Sony needs to get their act together and figure out, you know, they, they've basically said that the Venom movie and Black and Silver are not going to be in the Marvel Universe, and that needs to just not be a thing. So, I heard that. And then I also heard that no definitely is going to be in the same universe. And then that Kevin Feige or Feige, uh-huh. Feige, 
that he confirmed that they would be in the same universe. So I think there's like contradicting um, store messages going out right now. Okay. Well, I think I think honestly, I don't think anybody actually knows the answer yet. Yeah. I think right. that people are saying <laughs> things, but the no deal has actually been made. But I I feel like we're just about to go into um, Infinity War, and I think we already are assuming that Spider-Man is both going to be in it and that it's going to take place in space. Is yeah. This, this is kind of the assumption. So if that's not a way to get Venom into the picture, I don't know what is. Right, right. That's Which is like, okay, you know, I'm not the biggest Venom fan, but that would be cool if they actually, you know, did it that way and, and not, oh God, I just, I don't want to mention <laughs> that character. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I'm just sad. like I, I know what you're not going to mention the character, but I'm going to mention it because there's no excuse for us living in a world where Topher Grace has played Venom. Like, there's just no that that's that's a sentence that should have never existed. <laughs> Do you remember? I had to describe uh, to someone recently um, how Venom was introduced in that movie. Do you remember? Um, <laughs> I don't. Like, well, I mean, I, I remember how, how it got onto the planet and how it got onto yeah. Topher Grace, yeah, but exactly. neither so are Peter, terribly remarkable. If, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Peter and MJ are um, lounging in the park under the moonlight in, in, a, in a web hammock, and a meteor just lightly tumbles onto the the. the the park grass next to them or near them. Uh-huh. Right? Maybe. I, I thought That's I thought it. didn't they have a whole like space station scene at the beginning? Did they? Oh man. Here, here, here's my honest answer, Ray. It's not worth our time to go back That's and true. figure it out. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um yeah, I still have I mean I actually did go back and look at uh the jazz dance scene. Just to inflict, you know, <laughs> further harm onto my psyche. Um, wow. Now you have Spider-Man into the night, so you never have to do that again. <laughs> yeah, right? That It was worse than I remembered. That was horrible. And again, I go back to, like, Sam Raimi. Like, if they had just let him do his thing. I feel like they should have let him do his thing on the third movie. Because he did, you know, part one was so hard because comic book movies were a new thing. Superhero movies were relatively new um mm-hmm. and he did such a good job with it you know and then he improved upon it with with part two and then for part three they say you gotta have venom and he said i don't want venom i don't like venom i'm not interested in that as a character you know i want to do i want to continue to focus on the 60s era classic spider-man villains and they said no 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 venom is a fan favorite you have to do it and you can tell by watching that movie that he was forced to shoehorn in a character that he hates yeah um because everything around and about sandman was amazing to me i Mm -hmm. loved his take on that character and that is like the tragedy of like that you know of of spider-man 3 is that they did such a great job with the character that i love sandman to, to to have it be part of a film that is otherwise just horrible, you know, like they should have just let him do Sandman the way he wanted, wrap up the trilogy um, arc of um, Hobgoblin slash, you know, Harry Osborn, and then let him be done, let him ride off into the sunset and be done and have a really cool three-part Spider-Man story. And then, you know, a la James Bond or whatever, bring in a new director who loves Venom, 
and you know reboot or not reboot but but you know recast Peter Parker and then do a really kick-ass dark Venom two-part you know a, a story or whatever. Yeah, well, because that's the thing. It's like Venom should not be uh, the the villain in the same movie that he's introduced. Like it just yeah. shouldn't work yeah, that way. I agree. I agree. And if you go back and look at um, part two, which I'm going to be looking at soon again um, with Doctor Octopus, um, they actually plant the seeds for Venom in that film because MJ's scorned um, uh, fiance, who's who's uh, J. Jonah Jameson's son, is an astronaut. Mm-hmm. in that film and so they you know they started to do it but i i'm hoping going forward i guess this all speaks to like my hope for you know this new spider-man franchise going forward they just learn from their mistakes and get it right um they set up plenty of villains you know so that's pretty cool um they've also i'm wondering about where they're gonna go with you know michelle slash mj or whatever and how that's gonna work out well, I, I hope they I hope they do decide to make her MJ. Um, I think it would be a, a strong move, and I think I think the character is phenomenal. Whether it's the MJ people know or not, it's not going to erase Mary Jane Watson from existence. So, yeah. you know, it's not you know I this is something interesting. Let's pursue it. But the the other part of that is uh, I hope I hope that they do something like a Sinister Six movie for the next Spider Man. Okay. Because. I don't know how much this was such a good Peter Parker Spider-Man story that I don't know where you go from from here because there's not a lot like one of the big reoccurring elements in Spider-Man correct me if I'm wrong but it's just that he's kind of always being bombarded by bad guys like there like there's very little time for him to relax between bad guys yeah and and so I feel like a bad guy villain based movie that kind of gives him that, you know, has to find a new way to fight because one on one is not an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes a big difference. Yeah. Now also moving forward, and you're you're gonna hate me for, for saying this. Oh, I can't wait. Because it's not gonna happen, but it would make my soul happy is if in the next movie, he meets Firestar and Iceman. <laughs> that oh would I would be able God. to die a happy man. You're such a geek, but that would be awesome, though. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Because I'm sorry, nobody knows who Firestar is anymore, oh but she has always God. been one of my favorite characters because I watched her every Saturday morning. <laughs> that would be amazing. And that reminds me that a lot of the characters that they introduced as his friends and classmates or whatnot um, are, are go on to have their own powers and their own, you know, uh, uh, characters, superhero personas or whatnot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I personally can't, I'm dying to see Miles Morales, but I know yeah. that we're a ways away from that. Um, but I just love that it's in play with with Donald Glover's uh, character, Prowler character, referencing his nephew. Um, I think I'm just that makes just the thought alone of that makes me giddy. So I'm, I mean, I love this Peter Parker. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see him in a couple more movies or whatnot. But oh man, just just like I'm really excited for that in the future. I hope I hope they have the the guts to put, to you know go through with it. Would you be would you be satisfied with him playing a character like the Scarlet Spider so that both him and Peter Parker can exist in the same time and space? 
Um, yeah, I think so, because I think that would be a step towards, you know, um, going all the way, which I feel like at this point, Marvel, like I'm, I'm getting hyped for the big, like universe shattering event where they have to recast, recast, you know, Iron Man and, uh, Captain America and Spider-Man or whatever. Like, like I'm, you know, they have yet to reveal the title of the, you know, fourth Avengers film. And they have yet to reveal any movies going forward beyond that because they said anything would be a spoiler. So I'm really hoping that even if it's just like a, a phase, a phase long story, you know, uh-huh. where, where, you know, they've got different uh, uh, people playing all of these characters and then, you know, they go back to, I mean, I don't know how they would, you know, re, uh, re-sign all these actors that, that are finishing their contracts. But I'm excited for change. I'm a big fan of change. Like I don't, which I know seems to some people uh contradictory to comic book fandom <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know i like it i mean i i look forward to new iterations of these characters and different takes or whatnot speaking of speaking of which this brings me to uh uh something i was really excited to discuss with you today and that is the the chances that we'll see a future green goblin I think well I think I think it's a possibility. I don't think that it's necessarily needed. I think what they need to to head towards is again kind of that collection of heroes. Yeah. Because I was thinking about this the other day. I I still want to see the Masters of Evil. I still oh. want to see a group of villains go after the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um that's you know, cool. so that's kind of what I'd like to see. Uh my biggest fear is when they say that, and and this is this is I'm saying this because it is a little bit of a fear of mine, and it's a little bit of a kind of throw the rock at the the hornet's nest that is Ray and see what he does with it. But um, what if the untitled Avengers um, movie is Heroes Reborn? Shit. No, Joe, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not doing anything. Oh I'm just saying, what if that's what they're? What if that's what they? That's the direction they go. I would rather it be like the Thunderbolts or something. You know what I mean? I get mm-hmm. what you're saying because I mean, when I think of Heroes Reborn, I think of the really crappy like Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld stories. Right. Um, but there was some cool shit happening in the rest of the Marvel Universe because they took that opportunity to reintroduce the Masters of Evil as the Thunderbolts spoilers. You know what I mean? Right. So so I get what you're saying. Like, you're referencing the cool part of that. But it's like, no, I don't want to see crap. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying oh, what, if the, no. what if the way they decide to go is to say, all right, well, we've just gotten rid of all of – like, we've got to get rid of these heroes and replace them with things. So let's just say heroes were born and we'll just recast everybody and it'll be, look, look, nothing has ever changed. Oh, man. <laughs> no. That's uh that that'll keep me up at night. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so so I I don't know. I feel like I I appreciate the fact that they're moving forward with this uh, uh new Spider-Man franchise and they want to focus on characters that haven't been interpreted yet, right? Right. Um and that's cool. So they're, you know, unfortunately they're avoiding some really cool characters, but I get it. Like the Vulture was a great choice, you know. We've seen Shocker now. We're going to see Scorpion, hopefully who else is it? Rhinoceros. I love Spider-Man's like B-level like Rogues Gallery, you know. I think it's yeah. I, I we're definitely going to see the Scorpion. I'd like to see I'd like to see the Rhino because the yeah. Rhino we got at the end of the Amazing Spider-Man two was crappy. Oh, that's um, right. I forgot they already used him. Damn it. 
but the, um, but they're not, but honestly, I think they can go back and I, I don't know that they'd get the Green Goblin because the Green Goblin's a very specific story. But the Green Goblin is like his Joker. It's his, you know what I mean? He's right, but doing. but is he? Because I I was thinking about the the other day, and I'm like, yeah, he is. But he's also, but so is Doc Ock. I think I'd rather see like them bring back Doc Ock before I'd rather see them the the Green Goblin because that story's been told already. That's where I feel like. We could see different stories from Dr. Octopus. I mean, there's really one Green Goblin story. Right, right. I think it's interesting that you would go to Doc Ock as his, like, arch nemesis, kind of, because it. most of the time I feel people mislabel Venom over Green Goblin. Like, I think mo- a lot of people think Venom is Spider-Man's, like, arc you know, arch nemesis, and I have to, you know, say no, it's actually Green Goblin who follow the comics. Um, I never considered, I mean, Dr. Octopus is definitely a popular character, and, you know, obviously visually, like, conceptually, like, a really cool idea, and I can understand, you know, that's why he stands out, but I'm, I never took him as, like, the main villain of Spider-Man, um, and that would be hard to do, because they did such a great job of it with part two, you know? True. I feel like and Goblin that's going to be the problem, yeah. Yeah, Goblin offers, like, some place where, like, okay, that was one, like, take, you know? Um, and honestly, dude, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I'm excited about the possibility that we've seen, we've already met in this first film, the person that's going to take on the Goblin character. Maybe. I, I really, I mean, that idea excites me. Maybe. I don't know. I think, honestly, where I think they're going to end up going with future movies is they're going to go in, they're going to introduce Spider-Gwen, and they're going to introduce Silk, and they're going to introduce all of these new X-Men characters that have, that are so currently popular Yeah. because they're, they're more diverse, they're more fresh, and, and they're, they're not going back to what had existed before. What about a female version of the Green Goblin? That'd be interesting. What about someone who has a connection to him already, but uh, her dad's in prison because of Spider-Man? Oh, man. <laughs> then, then I would say, you know what? Then Yes, because then you've got the technology tie-in, yes. and, and it makes sense. And it's but, a different take because it's a love interest, not a best friend. A yes. And, and I think, that's, I think that, that would make it interesting again. But I feel like other than something like that, We've we've seen because wasn't wasn't the second um, Amazing Spider-Man a Green Goblin? Oh God, don't remind me. Yes, but I mean horrible. that's like, but he's already had two movies. Like I just don't yeah. feel like I need another Green Goblin. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I, but I mean, I, I but if you're gonna go that way, uh, <laughs> that I, that I would that way I would be all in for. I did love that reaction from you though. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, and you know what? You're absolutely right. The only way I'm even thinking about this that I'm getting excited about it is the way that I mentioned. So you're right. Anything other than that, no, is a no. I'm no, I'm fine. No, give me give me better versions of of um, Electro and uh, you know do do something better with Sandman. Get get your Sinister Six figured out. Yeah, and and do a pile on Spider-Man movie. So in in the interest of like you know, pacing myself and, and holding back on what my favorite moment was going to be. We totally mm-hmm. skipped, or, or was, we totally skipped over all that to what we're looking forward to. So <laughs> I, I can't I can't wrap this up at all without saying oh, what my absolute favorite moment of the film was. 
Go for uh, it. So it's a little out of our usual order, but that would be um, the moment where he's trapped under the rubble and he has to get himself out of that. And he just like through sheer determination, like lifts himself up from under the rubble. Yeah. Uh, that is a very specific reference to Amazing Spider-Man number 33. It is the most, even above Gwen State, the death of Gwen Stacy, it is probably the most iconic moment in Spider-Man comics history. And I squealed like a school kid <laughs> during that scene. And not, not, mind you, not during the dramatic moment of that scene, Joe. No, no, no. I screamed the instant that I recognized that they were going to do that scene. <laughs> so it was like really out of step with the rest of the audience, you know? Like everyone's like, why is he so excited about trapped and near death? Um, but I, oh man, that made me so happy that they paid uh, homage or, or that they, you know, included that scene. That and and it was done well because it's it's still within that theme of kind of discovering your like the whole idea that he is nothing without his suit as I think Rob pointed out it he's no, nothing without his suit that he's had for six months <laughs> that is such a teenager mindset <laughs> and, and it's like you take away a teenager's phone and I am nothing and. <laughs> And I feel like that that moment is kind of that moment of when he he realizes that he is he does have his own agency. Yeah, yeah. And and that Absolutely. he can do more than he's giving himself credit for. And I feel that ties so well into this whole teenage experience that this movie was portraying. Yeah, they pulled it off so well. It all tied together so well thematically. Um, it makes me a little bit worried going forward to know that, um, so far. It uh, the second weekend was a huge drop off in box office that they weren't anticipating. Uh, I'm not one usually to follow box office numbers. I really don't give a crap about that stuff. But uh -huh. you know, it it I guess it made headlines enough that when I and I looked up uh, this movie to kind of refresh my memory, you know, in gearing up for this podcast, um, that was like the first thing that came up is that it I think it was like a 61% drop off, which is like the largest drop off for a Marvel movie. And oh, so, wow. I mean, it still made a ton of money and they're still, uh -huh. you know, going forward with it with a sequel. But I'm like, I think that just really speaks to like, this is the third iteration of Spider-Man and even a really good movie that finally nails a lot of, you know, important things about the character. It's still, you know, audience saying, yeah, we've seen this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It's a similar drop off that part three of the original um, uh, take suffered. Part two of the, of, you know, the, the one with Andrew Garfield, the same thing. And now the first movie of this one, same thing. And it's just, you know, there's got to be, for this character, as important as it is for Marvel, there's got to be a little bit of fatigue that's obviously present, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think they, they helped a lot with this one by not just reiterating what they've done yeah. in the past, but yeah, I can totally. see where that's that's a danger that, you know... And I think that's why I don't want to see another Green Goblin and why I want to see... Like, I don't want them to make another Spider-Man movie until they really feel like they have a story to tell. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was glad that they skipped Uncle Ben and all that, you know, just kind of... Oh, thank God. Passing, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Awesome. Well, very cool. Any shout-outs this week, Ray? Um, I would like... To give a shout out to my roommate Suzanne. Uh, she's my best friend, uh, and 
believe it or not, we've been uh, coexisting rather uh, cheerily <laughs> for the last <laughs> uh, couple years now. Um, we watched this together. Uh, we watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 together. Um, and she's really, she is another person in my circle that helps to give me a, a take on these characters and a reaction to these movies from someone who's coming into it, you know, in, in a from, from a standpoint of like not being a fan. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. um and so i'm really lucky to have that around me because i feel like it definitely keeps me grounded in my you know comic book fandom um so shout out to suzanne uh probably my you know one of my favorite movie going partners uh nowadays awesome very cool i want to give a shout out to all the people who are helping me grind through these podcasts this weekend <laughs> so thanks to nick kelly thanks to kelly hightower thank you ray uh, Brian Johnson and Rob from the comic box, uh, where, you know, my bad, but I, I'm glad that I have this, this pool of friends to pull from <laughs> that I can say, all right, guys, <laughs> we're going to buckle down and get this done. Um, it, it really makes me, me feel like, uh, it, it reminds me why I enjoy doing this because really at the end of the day, it becomes just hanging out with friends and talking about stuff we love. So awesome. And now you can have your much needed vacation. <laughs> yes. Uh, coming up next week, this is the time travel magic of podcasting, especially the way I'm doing it this weekend. We are going to have uh, Nick Kelly over, and we are going to talk about what did Nick and I talk about? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, oh, we talked about conventions. We talked about because next week is Comic Con, and I do apologize. This is like the second year in a row where I haven't been able to wrap up Comic Con because I've had something immediately afterwards. But uh, I will definitely try and tweet out as much Comic Con information as I can and uh and try and get you guys aware of what's going on but anybody who's gone to a convention knows that the people outside of the convention tends to hear more about what's going on in the convention than the people at the convention because <laughs> we're we're busy having fun doing stuff um but anyway so yeah we talk next week we're going to be talking about uh conventions with nick kelly and just kind of some of our experiences this summer and what what we're going to close the year out with convention wise so that's coming up next week all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out other geek to geek shows such as geek to geek Podcast, Video Game News Now, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, and The Comic Box. And make sure to join our Reddit community at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast you can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. And this past week, I actually got a message from T. Morris, who we had on, I think, last week or the week before. And it was a feedback for State of the Geek, and we played it on this morning's episode and talked about it. So if you ever have any feedback for us, I'm going to try and, when I get back from vacation, set up a, a way for people to call in and, and record uh, feedback if you'd like to do that. But I've heard a couple people say they'd like that opportunity. If you have something, send it in. I can't guarantee that I'm going to play it, but you know, I, I'd like to hear it, and, and maybe we can put it in the show and... and Get your voices heard, so you can send that to me at joehogan at geektitude.com. How about you, Ray? Where can we find all your stuff? 
I am uh, online at social at various social media um, accounts at Ray Vargas three. So pretty much anywhere you go, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Tumblr, um, it's going to be backslash Ray Vargas three, uh, and that's my website as well, RayVargas3.com. Fun fact: I am the third, so my dad's a junior, my grandfather's senior, and that's a little bit of why it's Ray Vargas three. That's awesome. You're you're the second third I know. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually know a fourth now. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Kira, sorry. No, <laughs> 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 he's not the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. Well, thanks again, Ray. It's always fun, and uh, I really enjoy. It. I think I think we went in different directions with this because we were so excited and it was so good that we didn't have to tear it apart. We could just go. Maybe they'll do this next time. <laughs> That's nice, right? We, I feel like we're yeah. a little bit on a roll since, uh, you know, until the next X-Men movie comes out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> all right. For all of you listening out there, remember this week, keep it geek. So are we ready to go to Balticon? Well, actually, that was last week. No, 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 no. Last week was the Potter Powwow. This week is Balticon. No, actually, it's a geeks who drink tonight at the Irish pub. You're dreaming, mate. That's tomorrow night. No, 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 no. What do you mean I'm dreaming? My memory's like a steel trap. Uh, yeah, a rusty one. Oh, <laughs> you know, I told you. Really I know it's all the time. I said, this week. Guys, what? Why don't you just check out the Nerd Out app? What's the Nerd Out app? If you're looking to connect with local dungeon crawls, movie marathons, or trivia nights in your corner of the world, then you need the Nerd Out app. The Nerd Out app is your mobile planner for science fiction conventions, gaming events, film festivals, and even special museum exhibits geared for the geek in you. And if you want to catch the latest news on what's happening or coming soon to your current location, swing by nerdoutapp.com, where we feature upcoming events, convention reviews, and more. And just like the blog, the Nerd Out app is free. Stay in the know on where to get your geek on with the Nerd Out app, available for iOS and Android.